Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is episode three. That means there's only one episode left until we flip the switch and our show audience becomes the show creator. I was thrilled to work with the folks who submitted these first episodes, but the plan has always been to transition to you, the audience, to help develop a new story in a new way. I mentioned in a prior episode that if you've never written anything before, the Storyliner can be an easier first step into story creation, more manageable than attempting something longer, like a novel or screenplay. That said, if you've never written anything before, writing a few pages of anything may still feel a little intimidating. So if that's you, I'll be back after we've read this episode to share a few thoughts on that topic. Today's episode was created with a submission from journalist, teacher, and soon-to-be novelist Christine Simic. Previously on The Storyliner. You lose something? You want it back? It was the location of the first camera install Glenn had ever done. A referral from someone he'd barely known from college and lost touch with soon after. It was a family tree, his own. Glenn's two stolen suitcases were in the back of the trunk. So do me a favor, get over yourself, and tell me in the next 60 seconds how you started dating Glenn. Marianne, do you know a woman named Ava McLaren? It's a new video, and it's about you. Abigail? Hearing her old name come through the phone filled Ava's stomach with acid. The voice was familiar, but she couldn't place it. Ava had spent years establishing a new image and a new existence. Each screen name and video clip she uploaded further entombed Abigail inside Ava's impeccably curated internet self. She couldn't remember the last time a limb of her mummified past had broken free and attempted to tunnel its way back to the light. And yet here was a voice urging the buried to keep clawing upward. Ava flipped the phone over to establish which of her phones she was holding. This one was labeled Work Phone 1. She flipped it back over and said curtly, Who's this? It's Glenn. The acid in Ava's stomach topped off again. She forced herself to stop walking and planted her feet firmly onto the cement, swallowing the sourness that had worked its way up to her throat. Ava stood still for a long moment, breathing deeply but silently, and waited until she could feel small pebbles from the crumbling sidewalk jab through the flimsy soles of her espadrilles. When she started walking again, Ava ground her left heel into a sharp rock that had lodged itself into the rubber. It took you long enough, she finally said with a grin. She resumed walking, now with renewed purpose. At the end of the block, she turned left and headed toward the address on the confirmation receipt. She'd received it via a Yahoo burner account on a burner phone she hadn't even bothered to label. She'd activated it an hour ago, and she would likely dump it an hour from now. Look, Glenn said, his voice still containing much of the naive sincerity she recalled from the night they first met. We need our things back. What things? Ava asked somewhat distracted as she finally arrived at the brownstone she'd be renting for the next three days. Glenn sighed and said, You know what things, Abigail. 
The exterior door of the brownstone wasn't kept locked, so she turned the knob and took a step in. She was halfway through when she spied them in the door jam. Two of Glenn's tiny cameras. So small, they looked like pieces of gum. It was a moment before she replied, No one calls me by that name anymore. They were an older style than the ones he was currently installing, but they still looked to be in working order. She took a photo of the address and of the cameras with another phone labeled Don't Connect. And you're talking about the stuff that was taken out of your apartment? Ava said as she climbed the stairs to the third floor. The walk up the stairs felt oddly familiar for an address she hadn't recognized. I am, Glenn replied. Yeah, that's not really my concern. Can I... Glenn paused for a long moment before continuing. Can I ask, what was the point of making that video? Ava had hired some of the web's most followed meme makers to create purposefully low-budget animated clips of Marianne's head Frankensteined atop snapshots of the various objects from her apartment blog. In some of the videos, the head and the furniture were dancing in a club. In others, they were parasailing. In another, they were jumping off the roof of a building and plummeting to the ground. The combination of Ava's robust social following and her expertly chosen video tags ensured that anyone searching for any of the featured furniture items would see the video as a top search listing. As a result, the aggregated video had been picked up and redistributed with no small amount of snark by a number of urbanite apartment blogs. I'm not sure I had a point, Ava replied, after she broke into my space, disrupted my shoot, and accused me of stealing her things, the video felt right. Eva crouched down and reached around the back of a giant fake rubber tree that stood sentry outside of apartment 6D. You're not a little concerned, Gwen continued, that making a video like that might implicate you in the robbery? You do know she stole the stuff herself, right? It's insurance fraud. A cute attempt, anyway. Ava, Glenn said, just tell me what I need to do to get the rest of it back. Ava laughed and said, Glenn, you don't actually want any of that garbage back, do you? As promised, the key to the apartment had been left for Ava under the yellow planter. She inserted the key and turned it. There was a moment's resistance, but to her surprise, she immediately intuited the unique tilt and jiggle of the hand to get the lock to pop open. I'm inside so many apartments that belong to edgy tech guys and proto-hipster chicks, Ava said as she pushed the door open. But if you filter out the color choices and mess, you eventually realize they all own the exact same shit. Staged in the exact same shitty way, ripped off from the same shitty websites. That's not you, Glenn. Is it? The air inside the apartment was stale and dusty. The scent of fried oil and candle wax mixed with something sharp and unsavory, like the breath of a toilet that hadn't been flushed for a few days. Despite the Ikea tree outside, this wasn't a typical rental unit inside. A long hallway deposited Ava into a large sunken living room with a scarred wood floor. A huge bumpy sofa covered with fat pillows took up one entire wall. Opposite the sofa was a long row of aged black metal high school lockers featuring a wide range of juvenilia scratched into the chipped paint. Deja vu, she said as she closed the door behind her. What'd you say? Glenn asked. Sorry, Ava replied as she closed the door behind her. I forgot you were there. It's a specific form of deja vu. You are once more experiencing something you experienced long ago. Speaking of which, did you tell her how we met? 
Ava, Glenn said, I don't know what you're trying to accomplish, but I need you to tell me right now where the rest of it is. That's a no, then, Ava replied, which is a shame because I think it was one of the best nights of my life. She walked back through the living room and up the two steps that led to a dimly lit galley kitchen. The counters and stovetop were gummy and bits of food were curdling in the strainer of the sink. The bedroom was a tiny windowless rectangle located a few feet from the kitchen. The bed was small and simple, like something you'd find in a military barracks. Metal legs, a very thin mattress, but it was covered with an ornate and comfortable-looking duvet. That's when Ava saw it, a large sheet of paper pinned to the wall directly above the bed. Even in the poorly lit room, she could see the name her parents gave her printed in large type at the top of the paper, with clusters of smaller names printed underneath. As she got closer, she saw it was a family tree, her own. I know there's more we should probably say to each other, Ava said, but I have to go now. That final transition music means we're now even closer to transforming you from story audience into storyteller. If you're interested in submitting to the Storyliner, but a little intimidated by what you'll type onto that blank computer screen, I have a few thoughts that I hope might get you going. Of course, there's an infinity of websites, books, and coaches devoted to helping people write stories or learn to write them better. All great, but all represent yet another time investment. So with your valuable time in mind, I'll attempt to crunch some basics down to 60 seconds. Here's what I wish I'd known the first time I sat down and said hello to a blank computer screen. Quick aside, if you're an experienced writer, by all means, feel free to roll your eyes at the following thoughts and suggestions. First, I'd recommend don't start with a blank computer screen at all. Start with some scribbling. You have an idea for where the story might go next? Good or bad, jot down that idea as a single sentence on the nearest laptop, smartphone, or takeout menu. Just one sentence. It's easy, and more importantly, you've already started making your story. Once you've expressed your idea in a single sentence, expand it into six or so more sentences that summarize the beginning, middle, and end of your idea. No one will ever see these, so it doesn't matter how they look or sound. Six sentences. That's like two Facebook posts. It takes just a few minutes, and in my opinion, you'll have already finished the most important part of your submission. You've made your plan. Paste those six sentences into your typing gadget of choice, and like magic, suddenly there's no more blank page. All you need to do now is just expand on each sentence. Replace each with a few paragraphs, just some dialogue and descriptions, and before you know it, the intimidating isn't so intimidating anymore. And the last, but still very important consideration is, don't worry. Is this original enough? Is this smart enough? Is this good enough? Whatever that is. The answers to these questions are best left to the internet trolls who have the free time to ponder them. At the Storyliner, we'd rather maximize the enjoyment of story creation while minimizing the anxiety associated with it. Just write it and send it. If it's selected, it's on us, not you, to revise it and make something good even better. We hope you enjoyed today's episode, again created with a submission from the wonderful Christine Simic. I encourage you to listen to our next installment, my interview with Christine in which she shares some pretty great insights about crafting a novel, as well as what it was like to transition from that weighty undertaking to the comparatively carefree time she spent creating her submission for us. And be sure to check out our next and final episode before we begin open submission for episode 5. Once you've finished episode 4, write a few pages and submit them. Be a part of where the story goes next. 
If you've enjoyed what you're listening to, please subscribe and review us on iTunes. It helps the show. So feel good about yourself because you helped. Go to iTunes and do it now. I strongly encourage you to check out thestoryliner.com, where you can leave feedback, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, stream episodes, and most importantly, submit a few pages for the next episode. Keep listening, and we look forward to your submission. Today's episode was read by Michelle Monaforti. Music and sound design was composed by Stefan Boblil, and our logo and site was designed by The Apartment. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Make your next move. Make your next website.